What's up, tea amigos? Welcome to Fresh Steeps, uncovering the health benefits of tea for your active life. My name is Vince Lapalusa, and I am your host and guide on this tea journey. I'm a chemical engineering athlete who has been obsessed with the health benefits of herbs and tea for over 10 years now, and I'm honored to lead this journey of understanding tea better. Today, I talked with Miriam Novale. Miriam is the founder of Tea Salon and High Tea and has been working in the world of tea for over 30 years now. Stay tuned to hear Miriam's roller coaster of a tea journey, how tea is a five senses experience, how actress Uma Thurman inspired Miriam's tea life, and so much more. So sit back, relax, grab your tea, and enjoy the show. Miriam, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yay. I'm so excited to be here. It's always so much fun to share someone's passion and their dreams of what they have spent decades putting their life into. So thank you for having me. Thank you for your time and your energy. Thank you for, you you know, sharing the world of tea with all of your listeners and more to come. Definitely. Oh, thank you. And thank you for your time and energy. So First question, like to get out of the out of the gate, what are you drinking today? What's your tea? Uh, I am definitely drinking a no no because I have crossed the line of tea. And this morning we just launched a line of Ethiopian organic coffee with four different teas. One is called the Queen's Cup. And this morning I'm having Earl Grey, which one of my Earl Greys I make. Mm-hmm. It's Earl Grey, Queen of Earl. Okay. Ethiopian coffee and lion's mane mushrooms. Wow. That's got everything, anything and everything. If you're someone who just likes drinking a hot beverage, that's your cup. <laughs> and now, that's there's no excuse anymore. I can't, you can't say, oh, I'm not a tea drinker. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever had. So you said it has Earl Grey and coffee. I don't think I've ever had those two mixed because I've had like a never chai. One in the United States. Yeah. Has it been done in other places? Well, here it goes. So I'm now experimenting with this at my sister's home in Boca. My sister, the reason I'm in the tea business, because my sister, 30 some odd years ago, now 35, maybe Mm -hmm. more, married an Englishman in Liverpool, England. And I went to meet the family and they were having afternoon tea. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, my God, this is so fabulous. Except the tea, which I, I hate to say, but they've gotten better. The tea at the time for the English was wash water, very dark water and no flavor. Just they put in tea and they hope that the spoon can stand up in it, as they call it. And so I said, everything is fabulous. I was such a terrible New Yorker. I said, why is the tea so bad? Oh, no. <laughs> so my sister quinches. You could see like, oh, she going to do her thing. And at the time, I'm a perfumer. So Mm -hmm. I just sold a fragrance company with a man named Herb Alpert. And I proceeded to figure out what was I going to do with the other part of my life now that I've done this. This is 30 years ago. And she said, my sister's Mm -hmm. mother-in-law, I heard you're such an entrepreneur. I bet you could make a good cup of tea. And that's exactly what I did. I took my daughter and I, I happened to be taking a class for over a year in Florence, Italy. Okay. And I brought my daughter over. She went to the international school up on the hill in Florence and I painted at Lorenzo de Medici. Wow. So I said, after that was done, I said, Julie, you know what? I think we should do a little traveling. You know, you, you will do your tutor on the phone and whoever we can, you know, get our hands on. Mm-hmm. And let's do a little traveling. I'd like to learn about the world of tea. So I did. We took out a month and I traveled to China and India and all the places in the world that drink tea. And the world was drinking tea, mm-hmm. except Americans. They were drinking like, you know, a chock full of nuts or some ridiculous constant comment or some ridiculous tea. And yeah. I said, I bet you I can put my tea my nose in the tea business. I bet you that 
And that's exactly what I did. I started taking my artistic art in my hands, my nose in the cup, and I started developing tea. So I'm drinking a combination of two worlds, the world of coffee and the world of tea with a little lion's mane mushroom. Wow. That's uh, like I said, I've never really heard of, heard of that. Well, I've heard of there's a story. That's the reason. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I totally forgot why I said all that. <laughs> so the reason is because I was visiting my sister in England, in, in, in Florida a couple months ago while I was experimenting with this coffee and tea. Right. And I was making it in her kitchen. I have a nephew and niece. They're twins. You'd never know it, but they are one six foot, one's five foot two. And I'm in the kitchen making this brew and my nephew with a thick liver Putlian accent. And he goes, oh, see Mimi, what are you making? I said, shh, I have a big secret going on and no one's going to know about it. It's new. It's never been done. Mm-hmm. He goes, what is it? He goes, it's coffee and tea. He goes, oh, see Mimi, they've been doing it for decades in England. <laughs> It's called calf tea. I go, really? <laughs> so he sends me to a commercial of their plug in calf tea in London everywhere. And I think I'm this brilliant. Yeah. You know, I'm, <laughs> entrepreneur, I'm engineering, I'm building the new Tesla of teas and I'm going to call Musk and he's going to put it on the moon and I'm already <laughs> in it, you know? <laughs> and he goes, I'm sorry. I'll tell you, I didn't mean to disappoint you, but they haven't done it in the States. So don't That's worry. That's true. So I've been developing a whole line of teas within, I went and called a dear friend who owns a major coffee company, Mr. Michael Pollack. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I, and he said, Whoa, the queen of tea is coming to the other side of the world. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, yeah, I'd like to try it. So I've been playing with fabulous coffees, but I found one that's really has great notes of chocolate and cocoa and a little bit of lime and, into the Ethiopian coffees are off the charts mm. and they're organic and they're delicious and they've got great quality and the country needs support yeah. through a horrible time. So uh, I like, I liked all the elements. So I, I've been making my T and C I call it T and coffee. T and C. I like it. Is that something that you brew like a cup of tea or do you brew it like a cup of pot of coffee? No, you brew it in a French press. In a French press. Okay. Yes. That would make sense. Yes, yeah. you do. You need a, I'm sitting with a French press. Next time when we do podcasts in real life and in video, yeah. we'll sit with me with my French press sitting in front of me and uh, letting it steep and do its thing. And I'm not a milk drinker any longer. I drink oat milk or almond milk or yep. coconut milk. So I put a little bit of my, this morning it's almond milk. Yeah. And I sounds it with all the milks. Amazing. Oh, that sounds fantastic. So now you did talk a little bit about your history and the background of what got you into tea. Mm-hmm. So what were the next steps from there? You said you traveled all around the world, gathering as much information as you can just to bring it back to the States. Mm-hmm. And what happened? Well, I came back and I said, maybe it's time to open up a tea shop. So I was going to open up this cute, little, sweet tea shop, like maybe 300 square feet. Now, if you know anything about square feet, that's a nice, small as a studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in conversation with somebody and I was introduced to a man named Peter Brandt, who started Interview Magazine, who is a famous polo player who married the famous... We'll get to that. And he, I meet with him, and he's got a building in the corner of uh, Prince and Mercer. And he just brought in Prada and the Guggenheim Museum, wow. which is going to have a secondary location in Manhattan. Okay. And he said, if you build a tea room below the Guggenheim, people will go see the Guggenheim and their fabulous show, and you could be their restaurant and their tea room, and serve and sell tea. And I said, okay, well, if it's tiny, you know, I'd love to do it. And he walks me in, it's 5,000 square feet. Whoa. (laughs) In the lower level of a building at 142 Mercer. And I go, whoa. First of all, I'm not in the restaurant business. Yeah. Two, 
this is an overwhelming like space. I mean, can I take a piece of that? Yeah. He goes, no, but I'll help you. You put a few friends in, I'll put a few friends in and we'll make it happen. And then his few friends were very serious players. And I just sold a fragrance company. Yeah. I had some serious friends. So together we came up with a very hefty sum of money, which you and I could have been now in Bali with. And I proceeded to go back to England and uh, pick up and go through the largest auctioneers and antique builders and companies in England because I wanted to be a little bit of taste of England and da-da-da. My sister is a designer, and she helped me design it all. And I brought back a 17-foot mahogany bar to do a bar to mixology for drinking teas and cocktails I built a beautiful curved copper 40-foot bar, 257-seat restaurant. Oh, my God. That's wild. It was so bizarre, and I don't know what I was thinking. But all of a sudden, I went from this lady, I don't know, who built a fragrance company to the largest tea room in the world. (laughs) I mean, I went from one extreme to the other. Yeah. And like... So it was pretty fabulous. And I immediately was like, you know, the cat's meow and everybody and their mother appeared at my doorway because at that time, uh, Balvazar, which is a famous large restaurant, was not built yet. The Mercer Hotel with Andre Bellage was being built across from me. That wasn't built yet. And I'm in the middle of Soho that used to be factories and art studios and art galleries is now slowly being transported into a new world. And I kicked in that new world of creating fabulous places to eat and drink. And we opened up with a buffet that you could uh, go through the buffet and pick out foods and pick out, you know, your tea collection. And one thing led to the other. And there I was like serving breakfast, lunch, and then all of a sudden I got a phone call from a friend of mine said, uh, we have some sushi guys that are leaving Sony. They are looking for a new home. Yeah. Bring them on over. Then all of a sudden I had a 20 foot sushi bar. So everything was like, you know, I was so, it was so unique and so incredible. Uh, it was loads of fun, but I didn't realize how hard the restaurant business was. Yeah. It's so that- onto its own. Yeah, so that that is still a thing or not a thing anymore? Well, I opened that and built that. And then all of a sudden, I was approached by everybody and their brother to come in different locations. So I proceeded to go to 11 East 20th, a four-story landmark brownstone, and build a four-floor tea room there. I built one in Chelsea Market. I was approached by the owners of Chelsea Market. I built a magnificent tea room there from modern bamboo floors, bamboo ceilings. And I built a one in Los Angeles. My daughter was living in LA, just got, uh, uh, fell in love. And she built a fabulous Melrose and La Brea tea room there. Mm. And, uh, one day I got a call from Mike Bloomberg. Yes. The Mike Bloomberg. Hmm. And he said, uh, cause I was serving tea at Gracie mansion and he was in Gracie. Wow. And uh, he said, you know, I think I'm doing a show on Bloomberg News called The Mentor. Would you like to be on it? And I said, am I mentoring or someone mentoring me? He said, well, you'll mentor each other. So it was Frank from 1-800-Flowers mentoring Miriam Noval and followed me while I was building Los Angeles, followed me into Chelsea Market. And for months, they filmed me all over. And one day, in the height of it, he says, I've now come to the conclusion, you need to close all your retail locations. I go, are you serious? This is millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. He said, yeah, retail's going to be out. You need to go online. And that's where he does. He does 1-800-Flowers online. Yep. Yeah. And he said, online business is where it's at. And I in front of 5 million watchers 
I proceeded to close my locations under the flutter of some crazy guy. (laughs) I was thrown into the reality show of like, do it on and make it happen, crying in the corner of my location. And I closed them. Yeah. And I proceeded to say, what are you doing next? With all your customers and all your followers. So I built a warehouse in New York City and I proceeded to go online and ship to all the restaurants that wanted to have my teas from the Mercer Hotel to the Mandarin Oriental to fabulous chefs around the world that wanted great tea. Mm. And at that time, they didn't have fabulous tea programs. They just, whatever they could get, they would just serve their customers. They never had a tea program. Yeah. And so I created tea programs for great restaurants around the world. That's fantastic. Is that what sparked Tea Salon? That's what, well, Tea Salon, what started, I, the Tea Salon is 142 Mercer was the name of it. Okay. And when I closed, I just added teasalon.com. <laughs> it just added the .com and here you go. That's amazing. So, and that's, and that's currently where you're at and that's been. That's yeah. where I am right now. I moved out of New York because the rents at that time, eight years ago, were off the charts. Uh-huh. And now, of course, they're different, but they're still off the charts. And I got a phone call from a friend of mine. He was up in Woodstock. And I have my first business was in Woodstock, New York, 1975. Okay. And uh, I said, oh, I can go back to Woodstock. Okay, Kingston. All right, I'll go drive up. And I was spending a fortune in New York. I mean, the numbers are scary to have this warehouse. And then I all of a sudden proceeded to go upstate, drive up, and I'm standing in this big warehouse. And um, this man comes out. He goes, so what do you think? I go, I don't know. I have to move, and it costs a lot to move. He goes, well, I'll give you three months rent-free. And then he throws out a number which was exactly the number in New York, except it was missing three zeros. (laughs) And I said, at first he said it, and I said, no, no, that's what I'm paying New York. I'm not moving. Thank you. (laughs) And then he said the number again. And then I realized he was eliminating all these zeros. Yeah. And I said, okay, I'll be here in two weeks. (laughs) Let me paint and get it all together. And Miriam Noval moved to Kingston, New York, where I am today. Wow. Fantastic. on the New York State Thruway. That's amazing. Amazing. Well, I want to do a little bit of a, a left turn here. So now you have all this experience. You've been in the tea world for, for 30 plus years. So yes. for, for those new tea drinkers who are listening, who they're overwhelmed by the beauty of tea, by just maybe they're drinking a crappy cup of Lipton, like tea bags or something. What do you think that person needs to know as a new tea drinker on their journey? Well, first, I put my tea loose and in tea bags. We have what's called Ceylon, which is a product that's made in uh, Japan that is a sustainable, biodegradable product. And our string and tag, our tag is with soy ink. So Mm. there's nothing wrong with the tea bag. Let's start with that. Yeah. Um, what they need to know is that there are over 10,000 different teas. Yeah. And it's like anything else. It's knowing your butcher, your, your cheese person, your, you, you learn through taste and tell, and you learn through the person behind the, the curtain, what their history is. And you learn from doing your due diligence that their love and passion of growing and working with the farmers and going to the countries where the tea is grown, doing, you know, doing their due diligence of why tea, where is it, who has it, what are the farmers doing to the land, who's not doing pesticides, who went organic, what are they doing about fair trade, what are they, all that is all in your cup. Yeah. All in that cup. So it's really important to choose your tea with historical value. 
Mm -hmm. like anything else that we do. We've learned so much over COVID and that it's all about how you, what you do with your time, what you do with your choices of time and what you do with your choices of what goes in your cup. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. And that's, uh, I think the sourcing is such a, I think people are becoming more aware of proper sourcing of their tea uh, because it's just one, you want to make sure it is fair trade. The organic thing, I've seen debates about whether organic is important or not. Or what do you, do you think organic is important? No, I'm going to tell you why Yeah, my take on it. It's because the word organic is overrated. Whole Foods opened organic, and now you can't even find anything organic in Whole Foods. Yeah. So um, I think it's a little overrated, and here's why. So how organic works is that you have a hectares, which are acreage in India, mm-hmm. and you take out a piece of that hectare, and you fence it in. And how you get to be organic is there's a man that comes every six months and he has a note in front of your fence that you pulled out the hectare and you've done nothing with it. You organically let it grow. You feed it water. You, If it's not raining, you irrig- irrigate the land. Yep. You create it with love. You pick it at a certain time. You ferment, wither, and roll it at a certain time. And th- what happens is that you for three years – they watch this land. Yeah. Now they get organic stamped on their product. And what do they do? They take down the fence. Mm. What was organic? And now the whole, all those hectares are now organic. Hmm. Interesting. So you are dealing with, you know, um, a little bit of a dishonesty of yeah. word organic. Yeah, that's frustrating from a consumer because it's so hard to know exactly like what is a good sourced tea or like so the word organic was that kind of beacon that people would look to. They would see organic and they would assume, okay, this is what I should be buying. Well, Whole Foods set us up to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? They them and Air One in California set us up for the word organic. I mean, when A and P opened, there was no such word. Yeah. You know? I mean the list of Gristides and all those supermarkets, William, I mean, the hundreds of Acme, I mean, now you go in and there's this section of organic. Yeah. Uh, And when Whole Foods opened, it was all organic. That was their life and that was their theory and that was their take on the world. And that's what they were presenting with John when he came in. Um, I built their first tea bars in Whole Foods, you know, Mm, so I understand it. And now when Amazon has taken over and owns Whole Foods, you know, organic, of course, is there. Of course, of course. But it's not the same. It's not. It's all natural, which is an interesting word. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, I do, I do stay on the side of organic. I, 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 it's hard because some of the herbs and flowers and oils and elixirs that you put in to create a great blend, not all the parts are organic. Mm-hmm. So you have an 80% organic and 20% that's not. I, and I forget the law of the land of the rules of how much of the percentage of organic has to be organic for you to put the stamp organic on it. Okay. So I, I don't have it in my in front of me at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though. Um, so one of the things that you were talking about that I think would be good to go over, especially for people who are listening who are new tea drinkers, is the actual process of tea. So you said you kind of grow it, you harvest it at specific times, then you do stuff to it, and then it becomes tea. Do you know that no, process? No, no. That, <laughs> well, is, no and that, that is not the story of tea at all. And that's what I want you to – I want you to – All right. So first of all, let's start all over. The plant is called Camellia senescens. It's a Latin term for tea. It used to be a tree. And over the decades, they've grown it to the hybrid into a three-foot bush. 
They used to say the history was that monkeys used to pick the tea leaves. Yeah. That's where they got the whole thing, monkey, you know, Jasmine Monkey King. Mm-hmm. Monkeys used to go up and pick leaves and bring it down into the thing and blah, blah, blah. But it used to be a tree. And over the decades, it's now a three-foot bush because women in India pick the leaves. Mm. And they still till to this day the basket of thread, there's a whole thing that goes over their head, the baskets in back of them, and they pick two leaves and a bud. That is the picking of camellia senescence. All over the world, it's the same. Yes, there are trees that are grown and kept as a museum and the quality of it, and those ancient trees are all over the world still there. Mm. But as an industry, it is a three-foot bush that in India, the women do the picking and the men do the business. In Africa, the men pick the leaves and the women do the business. In Turkey, it's men do the picking and the men do the business. And all different, every country, every country from China down, at China, it's women and men. Whoever, you know, is depending upon the altitude and the region that you're picking. So all leaves, all trees is camellia senescens. All were once a tree, now a bush picked every seven days around the world. Mm-hmm. Every seven days. So that is really where we, what happens to it, it all gets picked green. And then there's a process that happens to it, that ferments, wither, and rolls it. And then you have from from black teas to green teas to white leaves to white teas. It's depending upon the process of how long you withered and rolled it that you get, you know, um, your color, your taste, and your quality. And every farm has their secrets of how long they wither roll and ferment the leaves it's kept in their little secret box of life <laughs> yeah and they that is their top secret of how long darjeeling there's 86 different estates and mm. every estate everybody lives on the estates the family the pickers the kids the church the houses the cottages they all get up in the morning. They do their morning meditation. They go out to the field singing, picking up their leaves. The men then pick it up. They put it into long bamboo rafters. They ferment, wither, and roll. And each Darjeeling has their top secret of how long they heat the plant mm. and wither and roll it. So it's their family generation of generation of secrets. Yeah. And I find that fascinating that that really does have such a distinct difference in the flavor of your tea is those withering and roll, like whether you twist it, twist the tea leaf or whether you roll it into like a little pearl that really affects the flavor. And I, th- I find that fascinating. Well, I mean, that's just like wine. It's like anything, anything that has a, a, a you know, a, a beautiful taste to it there's a process that comes with it it's like grapes that are different altitudes and california grapes and chili grapes and spanish grapes and you know washington state you know you name a, a a place that's you get the taste of the altitude you get the taste of the heritage of the land for decades and hundreds of years of love that's been fed and done you get the taste of the community. Mm-hmm. You get the taste of the hands that are touched it. You get the taste of them putting it into big canvas bags and brought down to where they auction it. All that traveling and all that that comes down is all sitting with you, holding in your hand in a cup of tea. Yeah, that's no, beautiful. So from all your tea travels, do you have a favorite place that you experience some of like your just most profound tea oh india of course darjeeling is without a doubt the most amazing you're you're at you're at you're at the base of the himalayas yeah 
You're at the base of Tiger Hill. You're at the base of civilization. You're at the base of clouds moving past your face. You can feel the moisture of the clouds touching upon you. It is so magical to look out and know that you're so high up that you can barely <gasps> catch your breath. Mm. And the and it's just these people are so live the land and live their faith and their passion and they're out there every day protecting the bush, protecting their livelihood and sending their kids off to school and then getting up in the morning and doing it. To me, Darjeeling, without a doubt, was one of the more spiritual moments of being there. As a Jubu, I'm a Jewish Buddhist, hmm. being there amongst that was just as as peaceful and holy and delicate and delicious and tasting and doing a cupping mm -hmm. of all different Darjeelings. The first flush when they first do it in the spring, second flush when they do it in the fall and how they keep it and wait for the spring again and get the leaves all and the bushes all ready for the next picking. You know, it's really, to me, I think that, uh, I mean, the English owned it for a long period. I think Margaret's Hope is still one of the holdouts Mm. owned by the British, but the rest of it is now owned back by the Indians. So, you know, they've, it's just, they're really preserved their heritage. And I love drinking history. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, a, I love the, the way that you're putting that, that you're drinking history that you're drinking. Cause like you said, these estates, these, I don't know if you call them plantations, but they've had yeah, their family. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So they just have family ties that have so much history and love put into them that you can get that. You can taste that within the, within a quality cup of tea, you're getting that. So that's, yeah, I, I just love the way well, that then you take the artists like me who mm -hmm. then in 1992 and 1990 go to Hamburg which is the largest port in the world because there's no taxation of boats coming in. And, mm. and a 200-year-old company is the largest blenders of teas in the world. And, and I was told to go there, so I went there. And they didn't allow anybody in their labs. That was like off the charts. There was yeah. no way. And then I told them I was a school perfumer. I went to school for that. And they never had a nose come into their facility. I mean, their biggest, you know, thing that they were blending was, you know, Earl Grey, a little bergamot Italian lemon and, you know, and maybe a little chamomile and lavender or whatever, yeah. whatever they were blending. I mean, they never had an artist and a nose put on a white jacket, go hmm. into their booth and their lab. And there, there's a name for it that they created. And I, don't recall it, that you sit there in this room with hundreds of herbs, hundreds of oils, hundreds of elixirs, yeah. hundreds of extracts and roses and, and, you know, 25 different bergamots and sandalwood and rose hips. And, you know, they never considered playing with all that. And when I started doing it, they went, what are you doing to green tea? Like, <laughs> what? Oh my God, you, 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 you can't do that. I go, why not? It's an art. And there it was. I created hundreds of blends and keep, cre I just did a blend this week, a new blend with ginger, green tea and honeysuckle. Yeah. So every day is somebody comes to me and says, well, I'd love a tea for inflammation or I'd love a tea for mother's day, you know? And so like a painter, we go in and we play and we create and we look at colors. And as a nose, I then put my nose in the entire thing. Yeah. I put it in there and smell and smell and hear the notes and listen to the notes and create the layers and layers and layers of flavors and oils and herbs and barks and spices and different parts that go in it. And if it's a great blend and you're great at what you've done and it, you acquired that art, you could taste it 
in every swallow. You can yeah. feel the layers and layers and layers of it. And all of a sudden, in that cup is like a Picasso. Mm. So you have a piece of art, and you have a smell, and you have colors, and all of a sudden it's like, wow. So. Yeah, amazing. I did. I, and when I opened up the tea salon at 142 Mercer and put up all these tins that I built in, in India, these stainless steel tins with hundreds of tins filled with beautiful labels with art and people would step up to this long bar and, and we taught them how to smell the teas. Of course, COVID wasn't then. Now I don't know if I'd ever open up a tin, let anyone's nose in it again. Yeah. But, you know, they would come and we open up the cover and we put some tea on the cover and they would smell it and they go, wow, what <laughs> is this? I mean, they never experienced anything like this, you know? Yeah. And so it was really extraordinary. I mean, it was like one of those moments that you know you've opened a portal of a journey. It's like almost, I hate to say it, it's like almost like doing, you know, a journey on the plant medicine or doing a journey mm -hmm. on acid or doing a journey on ayahuasca or doing a journey on mushrooms. And all of a sudden you're in this whole world that's yeah. expansive and you are part of that world and you're now sharing it with hundreds of thousands and millions of people all day long and all night. So I get phone calls. I still do. Hi, is that you? Yeah. Yeah. It's me. Hi, how are you? What can I do for you? I mean, I did, I had a, a Russian Orthodox priest on the phone the other day. Oh, I can't live without your queen of world. I have to have it right away. Can you say that? <laughs> I mean, I get people like that. Then I have Mario Cantone from Sex in the City. Miriam, listen, I'm out of tea, you know? I mean, I got to have it. My husband's driving me crazy. I mean, you got to, can you send it tomorrow? Yeah. You know, so I, I get, and then you just have the beautiful lady who just likes to drink just a great cup of tea. And can I be on your newsletter? And can I get your tea? And can, can you sign me up? And, and so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I I love it because you're just what I what my, one of my favorite things when I have someone come over to my house and I'm able to give them a cup of tea. It's I tell them to take a moment. The first cup of tea I always make for someone. I tell them to take take a moment in silence and experience it with all five of your senses. So take a moment, like look at it, smell it, taste it, feel it, hear it, and you just beautifully wrote that in like a poem of exactly what I've tried to do with people, like like what I've tried to work with people. And because tea is such a five senses experience and people don't understand that. Like they think, oh, it ta this tastes good. And then they move forward. Like, but it's like, no, 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 take a, take a moment. Well, Pause. there's a lot of people that have come into the play. When I first started, there was only five people selling tea, Bigelow, yeah. Lipton, I mean, it was a handful. And yeah. I remember when I first built it, there was like, you know, somebody like the guy who started Starbucks, you know, he came down with his suits and he stood there in front of me going, what, what are you, what are you doing? I mean, I mean, here I am putting my livelihood in the world of coffee. I mean, do you really think that people are going to drink tea like that? Like I know I built the coffee empire but really i says well then maybe you need to hire me and build a put a line of tea into your coffee places yeah and he did he hired me and i went there and sat in a room with all of his marketing and all of his players and i spent three days and i i was like diane keaton when she was mm. selling her her children's line and her leg was shaking under the table and she really thought this was it. And I really thought this was it. I have hit home. I'm going to be in every Starbucks around the world. This is going to be amazing. And about a month or two later, I was on a tea convention and they were making announcements and I was sitting next to Stephen Smith who started Tazo and Stash and Steve, you know, and he was sitting next to me and we were at a round table eating dinner and, and they made an announcement. We're so glad to announce 
that uh, they have chosen their tea for Starbucks and we're proud to announce it today. And I'm like, I'm like putting on my lipstick going, okay, hmm. this is my moment. Oh, this is so thrilling. And they go, and I'd like to say that Steve Smith from Tazo. And I stood there sitting in my seat going, what? What? I've given you all this information, blah, blah, blah. But then I realized then it was a man's, I hate to say it, a man's world, yeah. a man's product, a man's business, and a man doing tea. And there was no females in the tea business at that time. And they weren't banking their millions on some nice lady who just, you know, bop, bop, bop. So I said, okay, I learned, I, I, I learned another lesson. Yeah. And that's what we do every day. Yeah. No, that's, that's nice. Um, so what are your take takes on the health benefits of tea? Where do you see that play into all of this? Well, I mean, you're talking about, you know, a 5,000-year-old product, an ancient drink that they say started with a Buddhist monk sitting under a tree, drinking this hot water, and Camellia Senesis leaves fell into his cup. And all of a sudden in his meditation, he felt alive and alert and awake and not falling into his cup of hot water by sitting and meditating all day. And his entire health benefits of who he was changed. They mm. say that's the beginning of tea. Right. I mean, today, I think that tea, first of all, you're talking about all the parts. There are a million parts in the world of tea inside a leaf. Yes. And each one affects different arenas in our capillaries, in our blood system, in our nervous system, in our brains. And it's just one of those amazing products that gives you longevity. Mm -hmm. Look at the people that drink tea in all these countries. And they're sitting there in these cities, these little quaint villages, a hundred and one-year-old women that are sitting with their green cup of tea and mm. they're 105 in Russia. They're sitting in Britannia, drink, you know, growing sage and putting it into their camellia senescence. And they're all 102, 105, 115 years old. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a wonderful drink for longevity, for your heart, for your capillaries for your blood system, for your alertness, for your awakeness of who you are. So I don't see a Buddhist monk sitting back and drinking a cup of coffee. I mean, they might after I mix my new monk. <laughs> but, you know, I, I did shift it 11 years ago when my sister got ovarian cancer. Mm. It go into the world of hemp and CBD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm interested in how CBD and tea, because I know that you have a line of that now. So mm -hmm. you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I my sister was, you know, now it's going to be, wow, wow, 15 years ago. Mm. It's amazing how time flies. It's been 15 years, and she was, you know, uh, found out that she had ovarian cancer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we as a family and family, we have doctors and surgeons in my family and wellness and me. And I said, you know, Hannah, we've got to handle this right away. And so um, she found out that she was a friend of hers in her community. My sister was uh, living in an ashram with fellow, uh, you know, people that were in her lineage. And they turned around to something called CBD. And they got it out of Colorado. And I said, what is CB who? CB hmm. This is 11 years ago. Now, now it's almost 15 years ago. So I went to Colorado and they were growing weed. I, I mean, I come out of the 60s. To me, it was weed. <laughs> so I'm not, I've done that. Goodbye. Thank you. No, 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 no. We've taken out the THC, which is the part that gets you psych psychoactive and we brought in and highlighted CBD, which is one of the parts of the hemp plant. And it's, we've learned that it works with building your white blood cells and ovarian, it works on Parkinson's and stillness of 
the immune system and it works on the, and it, the list was forever helps with so many things. And I said, Oh my God, I got it. I, I need it. Mm-hmm. So I packed up like 15, 20 pounds of these buds that they ferment, that they also dried, like look like sage and look like weed. And I yeah. went back on the plane and I, I was like, so I can't believe I'm traveling. with <laughs> This is, can't be happening in my life. And I brought it back and I started blending with my wellness line, which I created decades ago. Yeah. Vacation that I, I work with an Ayurvedic doctor in India and detox and all these different, you know, formulas that I created one, a couple for my sister, a couple for my entire lineup of being in the, you know, tea and wellness. And I started playing with bringing in hemp and mm-hmm. saw that it was helping not only my sister with sleepless nights, one was called Goodnight Irene, and one was dealing with her white blood cells and dealing with anxiety because anxiety comes with cancer. You know, yeah. am I going to live? Am I going to die? Am I going to be here? So, um, and high tea today is as strong as tea salon. Mm. Obviously, COVID definitely affects both of my businesses, you know, but. Uh, that said, uh, it's helped so many people around the world and children who are Zooming, you know, in their bathrooms and in their beds every day and no school and the mothers couldn't go to work because the kids were home and and everybody was Zooming. And if they could sit back and have, I did a Zoom line of teas for children. Mm. I did a, a high tea line for dogs who <laughs> were barking all day long. How can I get to work and Zoom out of home and the dog is barking? all day. Yeah. And so I did a line of teas for dogs and I did a line of teas for tub teas to relax your body after a whole day with CBD. And, and I did a line of chocolates and cookies and it's just extraordinary. I, and then I just all of a sudden just cleaned it up and just said, you know what, Miriam, stay on the high tea line. You don't need all the extras. Yeah. Uh, so we have a beautiful line, high tea dot today. Uh, that you could uh, go online and we educate you and our certificates and our lab tests are on it. And constantly learning. Yeah. Constantly every day somebody calls me and someone said, I need a tea for inflammation with CBD. So I, I found out honeysuckle and sage and um, chrysanthemums. Yeah. So I'm just doing a line with chrysanthemums now, honeysuckle and sage and CBD and uh, buds. I only work with buds. I do not work with oils. I don't want water, ex- you know, extracts. Or yep. Don't work. I work with the organic substance of the buds blended in to my organic tea blends. Yeah. I could speak for myself being an active athlete. It's CBD has helped me just with recovery and like CBD teas have been great in that sense. So just like you said, the, the inflammation, like sometimes when I work out late at night, my mind is going wild and just make a cup of that and blend it with like a chamomile or a lavender or a valerian. And all of a sudden I'm out like that, like that. It's, Mm -hmm. it is truly a remarkable plant. Um, And yeah, just in regards to like just the health benefits, just, I've noticed the inflammation in my body goes down to a, a reasonable level. Like I know he wants a little inf- inflammation after workouts, but it's, it really is amazing. And I love that you're, I feel like you're just always right on it when it comes to like breaking into the industry right before something's about to explode. You, well, you know, it's, been it's awesome. being vibrationally astute and yeah. listening to the earth, putting your ear to the earth. I mean, that's how they would find people during all these cowboy movies. They, yeah. What was the guy? What were the Indian and, and the cowboy that they had yes. to go in, like in the 50s, you know, uh, Pancho, yeah. whatever his name was, you know? Mm-hmm. And they would put his, he put his ear to the earth. And he'd go, oh, Pancho, they went that way. <laughs> and um, so I kind of always had that sensibility I've always uh, was lucky to be at the right place at the right time and listen to the world and felt their vibration of what was being felt. And I just know that high tea was one of those moments. And 
Now we just have to really, what's next and how do we serve each other? If we learned anything through the last two years, how do we work together, help each other, service each other, listen to each other, meditate, circle each other in a line of love, hold each other's hands if it's not by touching, by Zoom, by conversation, paying attention to your heart, your breath, get quiet, go back, sit in that moment, hear the water boiling, let the water boil. Without those bubbles, there is no cup of tea. It's the oxygen in the bubbles that give you that great cup. Mm. It's all about the same thing as how the Japanese do tea ceremonies. They sit you down, they boil the water, they do a floral arrangement, they sit you in quietness and in silence, and then they pour the water, you put it in your cup, in your hands, and you have a beautiful tea ceremony. Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is next for the tea world here? In, uh, in a, I guess specifically in America, but just in general? Well, I've been having fun. On the fun side, it depends. On the fun side, I brought back tea mixology. Mm. On the fun side, I've been making cocktails with tea because once in a while, we all just need to sit back and just enjoy a fun, interesting cocktail. And last week, I did the opening of the Stone Age, which is the first cannabis museum in the city of New York. 9,000 square feet of a museum. Oh That's amazing. So I did a tea bar and I got Chichin Chong, which I, uh, I work with. They did yeah. a kind of mezcal and I got their mezcal and I brought in my teas and I brought in organic juices and I put together a fabulous uh, tea martinis and tea mezcal cocktails. So it's time to have fun with the world of tea. Mm. Time to explore different avenues of baking with it. Uh, Thanksgiving, I braised my turkey with Lapsang Sushan Assam. Mm -hmm. I did a compost uh, or compost with, making it for a sauce with your turkey, with my salt and red tea. I take the teas and I play with them in different formats from baking, cooking, sauces, mixology, being open to the world of a 5,000-year-old ancient you know, beverage that you can use in so many different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, Miriam, is there anything else? Because this has been a really fun conversation. I've been, as always, you're just, the energy you bring to these conversations is unmatched thus far. So is there anything else you would love to share or talk about? Um, I definitely want you to give yourself a plug and let people know where to find all of your work. Great. Here's three ways, four ways. Five ways, a thousand ways. <laughs> you can go on Tea Salon, the letter T, S A L O N dot com. It's my Tea Salon site for teas. You can go on High Tea, H I G H T E A dot today. It is a site that you can go to and order our High Tea. You can email me to be on our newsletter at T Salon, the letter T, S-A-L-O-N, sales at gmail.com. And we'll put you on our weekly newsletter of where our teas are, what pop-ups, what events I'm doing, where I'm going, who if I'm doing the restaurant show, which I'm doing in Jacob Javits, food and wine events, pop-ups on 27 Green Street in Soho. My teas are there. What stores carry my teas? Maybe you'd like to have your local store affiliate be an affiliate you get a percentage and free gifts if you turn me on to your local uh restaurant locals health food store local place that you would like to see my teas on your shelf that you can easily go in every day and go oh i'm so glad you got her teas thank you so much so be free to explore collaborate you know, reinvent, you know, pivot, 
you know, be there, connect, call me, 917-673-4904, and let me know that you're there and share a story, share a, uh, a juicy moment about the world of tea. Listen, how I got into white teas, Uma Thurman came into my place at 142 Mercer. She walks in, like at that point, every celebrity was drinking there. I mean, they're name it, they were getting married there. I don't want to say who got married there. <laughs> I had the first gay wedding at the tea salon of 200 gay women at the tea salon. I was so excited. Uh, and I'm standing there and um, where was I? Story of tea. Anyway, we're always, oh, so Uma comes in and she goes, Miriam, I love your selection, but I think white tea, you need to have white tea. What's white tea? I did my whole research and found out it's pre-picked leaves that have the feathery little bottoms of this feather-like flavored, soft, like a watercolor painting. I do white tea now with ginger and pomegranate. I do white tea with blueberries, white or gray. I mean, we serve it at the Hyatt hotels across the country. And because of Uma, I mean, everybody walks in, you know, it, I, it could be an Uma, it could just be a Hello Larry. So I'm always open to collaborate. We do white label, meaning we put your name on the tea. If you have a store or a restaurant or a hotel or a spa or a wellness center or a float center, we sell to floats. They come out of doing a float. It's mm. floating. Yeah. And they come out and they have a cup of high tea. And it's just delicious and wonderful. And so we're open for a yoga. We do before and after yoga. Mm. So we do teas for yoga centers, Shakti Yoga in Woodstock, yeah. Aaron Gannon, Jiva Mukti. So I'm always open uh, to listen and be there, collaborate, have fun, and enjoy a good tea story. This is Miriam from Tea, and thank you so much for having me with you today. Yes. Being with you and enjoying a great cup of tea. I never asked you, what tea is in your cup? Oh, yeah. I'm drinking a sticky rice pu'er, actually. Pu'er. Do you want to tell everybody what pu'er is? Pu'er is a black tea that's been... Well, this one's a black tea. It doesn't have to be black tea. Uh, This one's a black tea that's been fermented. I don't know the date on how long it was fermented, but typically, and correct me if I'm wrong, they're like at least 10 years fermented. And this one was infused with an herb, and I do not remember, I don't know how to pronounce it, it's a Mandarin word, um, that makes it taste exactly like sticky rice. So it tastes like a very sweet dessert, so beautiful, earthy. I, I love it. My girlfriend gifted this to me, and I've been addicted ever since. It's been amazing. Okay, I love it. Pu'er, it's a black tea grown in China. And the interesting thing about pu'ers is that they put them in big clay pots, Mm. keep them, store them. And part of what you're drinking is the minerals coming out of the clay pots. Yeah, yes. So it's a little bit of history. And you have to be a little careful. Not everybody stores it well. Mm -hmm. not everybody has good habits (laughs) everybody's real estate starts to get expensive and they don't want to store it for 10 years (laughs) so you have to be a little careful of your sourcing of it and that's called pu'er balls meaning the pu'er is wrapped in paper and balls that we know it's been secured and kept and gathered so we keep pu'er balls in our place personally Okay. I do love, I think it's very good for um, indigest, ingestion. What is it called? 100%. Uh, for the heartburn? Yeah, heartburn, the stomach, yeah. probiotics. Yes. The system. Yep. It's got a lot of value. So, oh, so that's what you're drinking. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. I know you asked before the show and I said, I'd say it here. So it was a very last minute, but Miriam, again, amazing. Thank you so much. And we're going to do this again. And it's, it's going to happen. (laughs) I'm open and ready and always ready to share passion and love of the world of tea. So thank you. And I hope you have millions of listeners and I hope it goes viral and the whole world wants to hear it. And 
see it and know that there is something really valuable in a great cup of tea. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you to Miriam for that awesome conversation. Remember to check out her work at tsalon.com. That's the letter T, salon, S-A-L-O-N.com, or at hightea.today. That's H-I-G-H-T-E-A dot today. If you want to dive deeper into the health benefits of tea and herbs and learn from people like yourself, then join our free Fresh Steeps community now so you can drink the best tea for yourself today. All you have to do is click the Fresh Steeps community link in the show notes and follow the prompt. Thanks for tuning in today. I appreciate you, love you, and hope you have a great day. Peace out. Peace out.